Well, you know, while it feels like the entirety of the gay lesbian movement is marching in unison towards some vague notion of equality, the Against Equality Collective has been quietly assembling a digital archive to document the critical resistance to the politics of inclusion. There's a new a pocket-sized book, which has been in my pocket for about the past two weeks. It's titled Against Equality, Queer Critiques of Gay Marriage. And uh, this pocket-sized book uh, lays out some of the historical foundations of queer resistance to the gay marriage mainstream, alongside more contemporary intersubjective critiques that deal directly with issues of race, class, gender, citizenship, age, ability, and more. It is a fascinating critique, not only of the gay marriage agenda, but the contemporary LGBTQ political agenda. Here to provide us with a critique of the gay marriage agenda is the editor of Against, Against Equality, Queer Critiques of Gay Marriage, Ryan Conrad. And uh, his bio is, this is a fun bio, I like this. He's an outlaw artist, terrorist academic, petty thief from a small mill town in Maine. He works through visual culture and performance to rupture the queer here and now in the hopes of making time and space to imagine the most fantastic queer futures. And uh, he joins us here, uh, I believe, from Montreal. So uh, good morning, Ryan. Good morning. How are you? This are You, in, you, you are in Montreal, correct? Uh, yes, uh, I'm us, us that live in the, the far northeast are really close to the Canadian border, so we can bounce around pretty easily. So it might seem exotic, but it's really not too far from home. Well, it's nice to have an international call, even if it's, you know, close enough to the border. Anyway, good morning. <laughs> Thanks so much for, uh, for being with us this morning. Uh, why don't we begin? I love the title, Against Equality, and uh, when I saw the book, uh, I was in New York a few weeks ago at uh, Blue Stockings, which is probably a bookstore you're familiar with. Nice little radical feminist bookstore in uh, in Soho, and uh, saw a book that said "Against Equality." And certainly, if uh, people are progressively minded, that is going to be a provocative book title. So, explain to our listeners what's meant by "against equality," both in terms of your collective, but then also uh, with regard to to the politics of the collective? Sure. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, it's meant to be contrarian or, um, yeah, to, to grab people's attention, right? So, um, and I, just to, to let listeners know, I've also been on tour with the book um, off and on for the last six months or so, and we actually did an event at Blue Stockings. Um, and a question we've gotten a lot is about, like, like, how can you be against equality? Why do you call yourself that? Um, when people, you know, hear us out or read the text, they, they realize that we're actually talking about being for uh, this, a, a radical form of equity. Um, and I think it's important to, to remember that if, if we called ourselves, like, the queer and trans people for all things good or some other generic positive name like that, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't actually start the number of conversations that we've started. Um, the, the name is a little bit of a sucker punch to get people to enter into the conversation, right? Like... It declaring works. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So declaring yourself against equality, people are like, wait, against equality? Like, who, like, who is this? What, what, is, what is the deal? Who could be against equality? And so we definitely, the, the name was chosen quite intentionally to, yeah, to get people to enter into the conversation. Um, and, and I think it's really important for us to be questioning what this thing equality is because there's an assumption that um, this idea of 
being equal or, or having an equal stake in the systems, institutions, and structures that exist as they presently are is something that's good. Um, and for us, we're, we're sort of stepping back from that and not only asking the question, is equality something we want, but pushing back and saying, actually, as, as equality is defined, this isn't actually something that we think will make the world a more livable place um, for us. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, whenever I talk to, to students, you know, I'm an academic as well, and whenever I, I speak to my students and they hear some of my, my views or when we, we go over, you know, any, any Marxist critiques, they believe that, uh, you know, Marxism means everybody is equal. Everybody gets the same amount of, of food. Everybody lives in the same house. Everybody, and the, you know, each according to his ability, each according to his needs, the fact that you, you don't want... Uh, pure equality when you don't have equality to begin with, you know, it's amazing that uh, given where we are in the state of things that the word equality uh, still suggests the goal for all kinds of different people. For sure. And I mean, I think people are, are missing the point where, where we actually have to ask ourselves, what are we seeking to be equal to? Um, and, and marriage as an institution, since that, that's the, the, the first book we put out, Critiques, is like an uh, institution based on inequality. It suggests that a citizen couple should have more rights, more benefits, more access than the individuals. Um, so it's actually an institution that its like most basic level is based on championing one kind of unit over another. <laughs> So the, the fact that equality is even evoked um, is problematic. It seems that the term equality as, um, as it's used when it comes to um, marriage equality is not really equality for the LGBTQ community. It's more the mainstreaming of the LGBTQ community. So that it's not um, politics as framed or defined by the gay community. I'll, I'm going to use the term gay as all-encompassing. Sure, um, sure. But it's really um, a, a movement that seems to be defined by, you know, the far right or the religious right. Does that seem it, to be part sure. of what Explain. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think a, a lot of people are trying to avoid uh, the connotation of special rights, right? Like the backlash in the 90s around special rights when LGBT groups were fo uh, focusing largely on non-discrimination rights and housing, employment, etc. Um, but <laughs> the reality is, like, uh, married people do have special rights. <laughs> um, and it's a, it's a hard thing for, it sounds like it's a hard thing for people to deal with that. It's actually acknowledging that, like, marriage privileges certain kinds of people over others. Um, and that isn't very equitable. Um, so I think, I think yeah, the, I mean, it's totally defined by the right because it's this hard line, like, no, we don't, wanna, we don't want special rights, we just want equal rights. But um, if we think about it in a broader contract, context, um, like marriages, special rights. All right, so then let's take a look at this. I want to remind listeners, they're in tune to KUCI in Irvine. This is Justice or Just Us. We're speaking with Ryan Conrad, the editor uh, of Against Equality, Queer Critiques of Gay Marriage. And it, it seems that your critique of gay marriage is less a critique of the gay part and more a critique of the institution of marriage. So provide our listeners with, and, and I know that's you know tough to do. You've got a whole book pretty much devoted to it, but what are some of the major critiques uh, 
that the book contains about the institution of marriage. Yeah, I mean, what we're largely saying is that the rights, you know, there's there's the affective dimension, which is like people talking about love and blah blah blah, that kind of stuff. Um, and then there's actually the the rights based um, part about marriage, where there's certain rights and privileges um, as doled out by the state to people who adhere to a certain um, articulation of partnership. Um, and so we're largely focused on the the the, the piece about the state and material benefits. Um, and I, and I think that comes from most of us that are involved in the collective uh, are very actively involved in local radical queer and trans organizations that are doing service provision. So our, our, um, our way into these kind of conversations aren't simply academic or intellectual or theoretical, but actually based in um, doing actual work in our communities. Um, and the focus is on, yeah, like in the United States, for example, like healthcare or citizenship status um, is is contingent on these uh, articulations of partnership or can be. Um, and what we're saying is no one should have to get married to access those things. Mar- marriage shouldn't actually have anything to do with it. Um, and if put in a, put in a more global context, uh, if you look at social democratic com- com- countries in uh, the Scandinavian bloc or um, to some extent Canada, even though Canada certainly has its problems, um, you know, like whether or not you die or go bankrupt from health care um, isn't contingent on your articulation of partnership in those places. So for us, it's about, about, okay, like how do we undo these material benefits from marriage so that all people have them regardless of relationship status? Um, and, and that also goes to immigration, um, like thinking about, okay, like how do we actually like have a radical approach to immigration as opposed to like only saying um, productive capitalist citizen couples are the ones that should be able, binational couples are the ones that should be able to immigrate. Um, and so sort of thinking about marriage in those sort of material terms um, is largely what the, the book focuses on and thinking about um, the kind of money and, and power that is involved in those kind of campaigns. So, it, so if, you're, if you're gay and you're married, you have access to health care, the tax breaks, and, and all of the, the as, as we say before, the special privileges that come with it. But if you are, uh, if you are single and gay or someone like me, single and straight, you know, you're out of luck when it comes to taxes, when it comes to, you know, uh, some of these other, you know, uh, provisions. I'm ha- fortunate to have health care. But uh, also it seems that if... Um, if you don't necessarily believe in monogamy or the nuclear family, then um, the whole marriage argument is not inclusive but exclusionary when it comes to these special privileges. Sure. And I mean, I, I think to take a step back to, I mean, it's not, I mean, you can be queer and married and be working class and still not have health care. Um, sure. I mean, the, the, the big lie here is to like poorer working class and lower lower middle income people that they're going to actually gain more benefits through marriage when if you don't own property already, if you don't already have a lot of wealth and you don't have health care and neither does your partner, you don't get anything, um, <laughs> you know. And it, it, also thinking about um, folks who are disabled, um, if you get married, you're likely to have a reduction in your SSI or your food stamps or Section 8. Um, so, I mean, marriage doesn't work for poor people. Marriage doesn't work for disabled people. Um, like, marriage is like this super problematic thing, and and it's always uh, in middle class or upper middle class terms, especially within the gay and lesbian mainstream. Um, 
that like, yeah, marriage actually doesn't do all these things it says it's going to do on a material level, except for people who already have power, privilege, and property and access. One of my uh, favorite lines from uh, from Bell Hooks in, in one of her books is uh, she's critiquing the, uh, the far right and uh, noting how many times they use the term family values to, uh, you know, promote their agenda. And then she points out all of the statistics about, you know, uh, you're more, more likely to be killed, you're more likely to be injured from, you know, from violence, from a member of the family, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, what kind of family are they talking about when they, they talk about and promote family values? For sure, and I mean, what's equally as scary is uh, the reliance on family values rhetoric that the gay and lesbian marriage campaigns have evoked. It's, I mean, it, it's the exact same thing as the Christian right. Well, and let's talk uh, about that, because one of the things that I think the book does, does very well um, is illustrate the similarity of rhetoric between the Christian right and the, uh, you know, the gay marriage agenda. And so it seems like this is another example of... Uh, of the failure of uh, progressive politics or radical politics to frame their own issues. That it seems that, you know, whether we want to talk about Democrats or whether we want to talk about even, you know, the, the far left, they always seem to be reacting to agendas established by the right as opposed to framing issues on their own. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, and I think that comes back to, like, the issue of equality, right? In- instead of uh, trying to envision um, new forms of relationality or um, new institutions or new ways of meeting our material and affective needs without um, sublimating ourselves to church or state, um, instead of instead of doing that, like, doing the transformative work of saying, okay, like, what could the future look like? What, how, like, how can we meet our material and affective needs? Um, instead, we're reinvesting ourselves into a world that, I mean, I personally don't find particularly exciting to listen, you know, like uh, a world based on exclusion, inequality, oppression, death, violence, you know. Um, so instead of actually doing the work to, I mean, it's, and, and it's much harder, it's easier to be reactive and demand inclusion than it is to say, actually, all this stuff is pretty messed up. Let's do the hard work of trying to figure out what a less messed up world would look like and how do we get there i want to remind listeners to tune to kuci this is justice or justice we're taking a look at critiques of the gay marriage agenda from the lgbt community um so reading through against equality i i suppose my biggest critique and uh of the the book and and some of the arguments um is that it seems that against equality is assuming uh, a homogeneity among the LGBTQ community. That is that all gays are or should be radicals or progressives or anti-capitalists the same way that the far right is having the assumption that all gays should be monogamous conservative, mainstream, and so forth. And so that's probably about as hard-hitting as we're going to get right now, but I was wondering if you could uh, address that. I mean, it seems sure. that that um, you're not really against gay marriage as much as you are against marriage in general, and that you're not against, um, that you're really asking for the LGBTQ community to be against um, the nuclear family or to be against so many others. I mean, 
what if there are conservative gays that don't have a problem with these things? Yeah, I mean, I'm, maybe I'll address a couple of things. Um, I mean, like right now is the gay marriage political moment. Um, so I think the, the reason that we're talking about things in terms of gay marriage is because it makes sense, it's relevant, um, it's what's happening right now. Um, as opposed to having like a more generic text um, on marriage. Um, and I'd also say that people have been critiquing marriage for decades. Like, uh, the, we definitely aren't doing something new. It's definitely a, a, a specific lens on which we're critiquing marriage, but people have had, like feminists have been critiquing marriage for decades, and we're, we're part of that lineage. Um, and I guess, I guess for me the question is, I, like for sure, like some of us uh, that have contributed to the book are anti-capitalists or anarchists or far left or whatever. But um, I think in terms of the the materialist things that are proposed within the book, like all people should have health care, I don't think is actually that radical. Um, and I, I would push back against the assertion that we're we're suggesting that people need to be radical, but suggesting that people shouldn't die or go bankrupt from needing stitches or needing antibiotics, I, I don't think that's radical at all. Um, so I, I guess I would push back against the assertion that we're just too crazy radical or something because um, we, we got that a lot on tour um, while presenting the work and and actually having to, like, reframe things and be like, actually, is it that is it that crazy to demand that no one dies because they don't have health care? Of course. I mean, not of course it's that radical. I mean, of of course it's it's ludicrous to suggest that it is. Um, I, I guess it's you know it's it's a devil's advocate kind of question, but I think it's fair because I could imagine, um, you know, I am straight, but a lot of my friends are are gay, and they say that that my politics uh, is gayer than theirs is, and that I'm more radical, <laughs> and that and that I'm more more radical than they are. So. Um, you know, when it when it comes to healthcare, I mean, you know, yeah, I believe in in universal healthcare, whether you're gay, straight, you know, left, right, conservative, liberal. But I could imagine, um, you know, more mainstream gays reading this, and maybe they work on Wall Street, or maybe they're capitalists, and so they would say, well, this isn't really a critique of gay marriage. This is a critique of, you know. Um, for-profit health care, or this isn't really a critique sure. of gay marriage. This is a critique of yeah. uh, the military. And, you know, I'd like to um, leave a couple minutes so we could talk about some of the other agendas sure. that you guys critique. Um, and so it's it's a devil's advocate question, but at the same time, sure. it, you know, I guess how do you approach um, these critiques without getting into a long debate about health care and so forth? I mean, it, it's so... Yeah. So it, it I, I suppose the crit the critique of your critique would be that your book is really a Trojan horse, and and <laughs> that's great. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think it's because we take that intersubjective approach, right? Like, just because you're queer doesn't mean you don't have a race or a class or an ethnicity or a citizenship status, ability, etc. Um, and I think that's really important because what you're sort of talking about is like a strict identity politics, like we're gay, you know, and that's it. Like that's the marker of like your oppression or something, but doesn't acknowledge the fact that, you know, you, we both exist, we exist in the world as like, mul we have multiple identities and can be both like oppressor and oppressed. Right. So I think taking this intersubjective approach allows us to sort of step back from that, like late eighties, early nineties identity politic that like creates sort of like singular, um, one dimensional people, um, and actually tries to, you know, suggest that 
all these things are interconnected, and then we all have like more like we're more complicated than a simple singular identity. Um, and I think that's really important to building bridges and allies between the queer community and people of color communities, and also to be clear that like POC and queer communities aren't two separate things. Like there are queer POC. So what is that um, that term? Uh, people of color. Thank so you. That's right. Just, people just of color. Being clear. Yeah, okay. just being clear that, like, just because you're queer doesn't mean you're not a person of color, and just because you're a person of color doesn't mean you're queer, but that there's, you know, like, there's people that exist in both those communities and wanting to make sure to have a critique that doesn't force people to choose um, between being queer or being a person of color or being queer and being differently abled or being queer and the working class, right? Um, so even though you, you could call it a Trojan horse, but I'd also say that... Um, it's us actually doing our homework and building bridges across different communities that often see themselves as separate when those of us involved in this work don't see ourselves as separate. And I think that that's an important point. And, uh, you know, to critique my critique that, you know, uh, of course the discussion is going to be about health care. That's been the major soundbite of the gay marriage agenda. It sure. would be, it would be uh, a missed opportunity not to seize on that. Uh, it would be uh, a missed opportunity not to talk about um, marriage in terms of these special privileges of uh, health care, taxes, and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, I, 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 I like your response, and I think um, there's nothing wrong with pointing out um, the exclusionary politics that might otherwise be uh, part of a, a, a broader movement that, that could seem very attractive, like, you know, marriage equality. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's definitely what, what we're going for, you know? Like, we, we might have this specific lens in terms of talking about marriage, militarism, and hate crimes legislation. Um, but, I mean, we're, like, all of us that are involved are incredibly invested in a broad-based social justice movement across um, different groups of people. Um, this just happens to be, <laughs> like, yeah, maybe to be clear, too, like, we all do lots of things, and, and maybe some of them aren't queer-specific um, all the time. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely, like, it, we're advocating a broad-based social justice movement, for sure. So let's expand the discussion a bit. Um, I, I think what I really like about... Um, about the book, and again, it is uh, titled uh, Against Equality, uh, Queer Critiques of Gay Marriage, edited by Ryan Conrad, who is our guest this morning. And uh, you can uh, check out the book at Against Equality Press, which is againstequality.org. And uh, we have a link to that on KUCITalk.org. But um, I think what I really like about it is that it's not so much a critique of the, the marriage equality movement as it is a close examination of the uh, gay political agenda uh, in the 21st century. And so you also tackle issues such as uh, hate crime legislation, which uh, is something that, that I have been against for a long time for many different reasons. And uh, people who know my politics usually raise an eyebrow at that until I have an opportunity <laughs> to explain it. Um, yeah. But then, uh, the, uh, of course, the don't ask, don't tell gays in the military, which I think more people could, could understand. And so I, I think people, I, I think what I like about the book is that I think by 
tackling issues such as don't ask, don't tell, and gays in, in the military, it, it uh, opens people up to be willing to hear your critique of marriage, because I think mm. the rationale is similar in both regards, that it's... Um, it's a distorted type of equal. Like, really, this is how you want to achieve <laughs> equality. This is what you want. You want the right to to. Well, I'll let you explain. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, in the archives that we have on our website, um, which again, uh, against equality dot org, um, we sort of have this digital archive that's broken up into three sections, talking about. Um, marriage, military, and hate crimes legislation slash the prison industrial complex. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's sort of the same logic. It's it's the idea of challenging this like desperate attempt at inclusion um, within sort of the systems, institutions, and structures that exist um, that weren't that weren't designed for for our inclusion for sure. Um, but you know, like in the present, like what you like, what I would call the present LGBT political moment, um, there's a lot of legislation and activism and campaigns around um, inclusion within those things. Um, so we we sort of break it out into those those three different subject areas to to be able to like archive work that people have been writing and and visual cultural work and performance work uh, around those issues. Um, and so, yeah, with I mean, with the militarism, I, I think uh, Matilda, um, uh, who has been contributing to to the work, and she, she's actually going to be doing the introduction to the next book that we're putting out this fall, which is titled uh, Against Equality, Don't Ask to Fight Their Wars. Um, and that will be our archival anthology um, based on the text and writing that's that's on the website now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the focus is... Um, on like that, why is this a priority? How did this become a priority? Um, what what do we have to gain and what do we have to lose from being included in the U.S. military? Um, and also, I, I think uh, there's a really great statement from Queers for Economic Justice um, who tackle the issue of the poverty draft, which I think is um, uh, something that's lacking within. Like, there's there's people that have a critique of DIDT, but um, then don't know where to go from there. Uh, but the Queers for Economic Justice has a really good statement um, titled, A Military Job is Not Economic Justice, um, and talking about how it's not okay um, for people to use uh, poverty as a means to justify trying to overturn DADT because it will give LGBT poor and working class people an opportunity to get out. Um, and, and for and for the record, DADT is Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Don't Ask, Don't Tell, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's some really interesting things happening, some interesting writing happening um, around this this idea that we need to be included in the the military industrial complex. Well, and I I think that that that's really the the point that when you when you tie in, um, you know, the military, when you look at the fact that hate crime legislation simply expands the prison industrial complex, when you look at um, the approach to you know marriage equality, it seems like the mainstream and, and I say this as an outsider, so I feel a little bit awkward providing this critique, but that's why you're here. <laughs> it, se- <laughs> it seems it seems that these these three movements um, simply maintain the same institutions that have oppressed the LGBTQ community for years marriage, the military, even prisons. You know, there's a big, big question about, uh, you know, 
where do you uh, forget should you be housing you know where housing people but how do you house uh, you know transgendered people and things of that nature and it seems that the mainstream LGBTQ community simply wants to maintain the military uh, simply wants to maintain prisons simply wants to maintain marriage all of these institutions that have been exclusionary for so long so it seems that it's it's really a reformist movement rather than uh, a revolutionary movement. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even, yeah, not not even close to revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the question too, that like the hard question to ask is like, do does hate crimes legislation make us safer? Um, like, what does hate crimes legislation actually do? Does it solve harm and violence in our communities? Does does it actually? evolve into any sort of restorative justice model? Like, the answer is no. Um, all it does is warehouse people. And, I mean, as the queer and trans community should know, um, you know, like, we've been particularly targeted by the prison industrial complex, how it surveils people, um, as well as thinking, thinking through HIV in prisons. Um, like, if we want to actually deal with HIV, which is a, a huge issue within the, particularly the gay men's and trans community, um, sticking more people in jail where people go on and off medication or go undiagnosed and don't have access to safer works and safer sex materials, like, like that, that's not a solution, right? It's actually going to make things worse. <laughs> so, like, on a public health level, prisons don't work. On a, you know, does it actually make our communities safer question, like, no, it doesn't make our communities safer. It actually compounds a lot of problems. So let me... Uh, let me start to bring the the interview to a close by um by asking uh i guess activism 101 says don't just tell people what you're against tell people what you're for so don't be against war before peace so if you're against equality what are you for <laughs> good question right <laughs> there um, you go. i mean i i i think it's a, i mean i think it's important to think about it in really materialist terms too um because, like, equality is this really vague thing that doesn't actually mean anything. Um, and, I mean, I, I think, like, what what our book sort of lays out is, like, we're for healthcare for everyone. We're for um, radical immigration transformation. We're for um, alternative economic models that don't rely on passing property and power and wealth through a patrilineage, right? Um, so I think... I think I think you can't just like we're we're for radical radical equity equity right but like what does that mean um, so I actually think breaking it down and framing it in those sort of like okay like no like what actual physical things or material things are we for and there's lots of them and I think and everyone from the collective and the different contributors to the book would probably all offer you something different um, but that's that's where I'd start okay and tell listeners. Um what has the response been? You've been uh, touring to promote the book. Um, mm -hmm. Who has been uh, in the audience, and what have what has the uh, response to uh, against equality queer critiques of gay marriage been? Um, I mean, things have been pretty great. Um, we've done a variety of different community spaces, um, bookstores, and universities, uh, which. All, all the spaces have been great. There's definitely people that have come to fight with us that have we found some common ground with. Lots of people that were really excited. Um, and, and, who are, and who are these people that you you like? What are their their politics? What are their backgrounds? What are their? 
I mean, people are from all over the place. I mean, we had a lot of people, like, I, I had a lot of people come up to me after the talk and say, like, I came here really pissed off and, like, I thought I was going to be really upset, but you totally changed my mind and I'm rethinking things. Um, so, so, and then other people that are like, why don't you just call this anti-capitalist because that's what it is, you know? And I'm like, yeah, well, that scares people away sometimes. It's right. not, like, the best way to have a conversation. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, like, it was a full range of people, like, having really radical politics that are being like, yeah, like, this is some, like, neo-colonial, like, garbage, blah, 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 you know, and, like, being on board with us and then other people that were, like, pretty hesitant, people that came that actually wanted to, like, fight with us, um, but I think the best response that I've gotten, um, I refer to Lady Gaga a lot in my talk because she's, like, the epitome of, like, all things that are wrong with LGBT politics um, because, like, marriage, military, and prison industrial complex are, like, her platform in terms of, like, her shallow politics that she performs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I refer to this as the holy trinity of neoliberalism, which is the cross to which Lady Gaga has nailed herself. Um, and I made some snide comment about her when I was lecturing at Georgetown, um, in D.C., <laughs> and, like, I think the headline in the paper the next day was, like, Ryan Conrad, gay activist, calls Lady Gaga evil. Right. <laughs> um, which was, like, after I spent an hour and a half providing a materialist critique of marriage and, like, creating a vision for a future. Right. Um, but that's all they could think about. Um, and in the days following that, um, both Yasmin and I started receiving death threats. Um, wow. Other, like, gay-identified people. Um, and they were, like, pretty, like, they weren't just, like, shut up or I'll kill you. It was like, I'm going to find you and chop your body up into little pieces and smash you up at the bottom of a dumpster, you trailer trash, like blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, so, and calling know, someone it, trailer trash just fits right into the economic critique that you were providing. So sure, there you go. sure. I mean, and they were <laughs> referring to Yasmin in lots of racist language too, even right. though they identified her as African-American, even she's Indian, <laughs> which right. made it funny for us. But um, yeah, so I mean, the responses, the, the, I feel like the most negative responses we've gotten have mostly been from like gay mainstream, for sure. Um, I feel like actually hetero people who already know that marriage doesn't really work, um, are, are a bit more suspicious of it than, than gays who desperately want it, even though they're not sure why. And now, just to, to be fair to my married listeners out there, um, you know, I have friends who are, who are happily married and so on and so forth. I mean, For sure. That's, that's cool. So when we say, it, cool when we say it doesn't work, I mean, we're looking at it doesn't work as a means of providing health care for all. It doesn't work as, as eradicating violence in our society, even though it's an institution that supposedly promotes love. It doesn't eradicate any of the discrepancies in terms of property, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're, you know, if, if two people want to be in a nice, committed, monogamous relationship, I think you and I both agree that that's fine. That's, that's yeah, their business. I don't care. But what, but that's, you know, and, and, um, you know, I, yeah, I said I'd keep, keep you a half you hour, really? but I'm going over a little bit if you have a couple yeah, extra yeah. minutes. But, um, I think that that's what's so interesting. There's a, and I just lost the page, but, um, there is an underlined passage. Let's see if I can't find it in here where, uh, I think one, one of the points is, you know, that for years, you know, we here we go it says um uh we say get your laws off my body and it seems that we say that when it comes to you know reproductive rights it seems we say that when it comes to you know what kind of uh, relationships people could be involved in but then the whole gay marriage agenda suddenly allows the government 
to have hands on the body. So it's it seems that that's always one of the flaws of um, you know of of people on on the left is that we often critique the government whether we're we're anarchists or or reformists or whatever, and yet our politics at the end of the day always seem to be reformist where. Uh, we allow the government to expand its control over our daily lives. And it seems that that's in part what um, what the gay marriage movement does. Did that make yeah, any sense it, whatsoever? It, <laughs> no, 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 totally. And I, I feel like the people have been recouping the language of, like, the, like, 1980s where people were, like, you don't tell me to do it. I don't tell me what I can do in my bedroom, like right to privacy kind of stuff. Right. Um, I feel like the gay marriage campaigns have actually been like recouping that, um, in this funny way of like, you can't tell me what I can do with my lover. You can't tell me what I can do with my wife. Um, in this funny way of like recouping, but doing the exact opposite of what like sex radicals were doing in the eighties. Right. Well, and, <laughs> so and it's so ahistorical and depressing. Well, well and that's exactly what, what, what gay marriage does it allows the state then to 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 you're asking for the state's seal of approval i mean it's i guess it's one of the the uh, so i teach a course in civil disobedience and uh, one of the things i constantly emphasize to my students is that governments don't give rights you know they mm. don't give rights governments take rights away i mean this is this is anarchism 101 but you don't have to appeal to anarchism you only have to look at the us uh um uh, Bill of Rights, right? It says these are rights that the government cannot take away from you. Congress shall make no law abridging, and yet we've all been conditioned to believe that our rights are things that, that governments grant us out of the, the goodness of their heart. And so mm-hmm. by asking the government to give gays the right to marry only legitimizes that mentality that governments are are um, benevolent and and um, you know have you know the best uh, wishes and desires and aspirations for the L- L- LGBTQ community or for any community. Yeah, I mean, I think that also, I mean, points out the whole like uh, I mean, again, it comes back to this idea of inclusion where people are trying to queer the census. Um, we're demanding queer inclusion on the census. And I just remember talking to one person and being like, hey. If Sarah Palin was in charge of the government, would you want her to have the addresses, phone numbers, and social security numbers of all the queers in this country? Because <laughs> I sure wouldn't. You know, it's just like, I don't know. You should have a certain skepticism about the government, especially given its history in relation to LGBT people and all minorities. It's just, yeah, pe- that- people are, I feel like there's a, a huge lack of historical context for a lot of people. And within an LGBT context, it's because no one teaches it. And uh, intergenerational relationships are criminalized, and a lot of people died. Like there's generations of missing people from the HIV epidemic. So the book I think the, the, that lack of historical context is really problematic. And the book tries to fill in those gaps. It's titled "Against Equality: Queer Critiques of Gay Marriage." It's edited by Ryan Conrad, who's been our guest this morning. Finally, tell listeners where they could learn more about. Uh, the collective about the uh, electronic archive and so forth. 
For sure. Um, folks can access the archive at www.againstequality.org. Um, and from there, you can access the digital archives. And there's also a link to our distributor, which is AK Press, who you can order the book from directly. Um, we'd love it if you ordered from them directly instead of Amazon, but you can also get it there if you can't uh, get it through AK Press. And we will have links to all of this, including a podcast of today's program, which will be posted later on this afternoon. Uh, Ryan Conrad, I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning and uh, for uh, sharing with listeners very, very insightful critiques. Great. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you, and take care.